Hey everyone, this is Brother Wayne Clemens. I just want to thank you for tuning in with us today and being part of the worship experience here at Potter's Hope. Also, I want to tell you that there's several different venues that you'll be able to get the message in the entirety if you'd like. They're either by podcast or either going to pottershope.com where you'll also be able to listen and watch uh, for any of those times. But also, I want to encourage you to be with us in person, 8.30 Central Time at Exit 124, right there at White Mills and the Eastview Exit right off the Western Kentucky Parkway. And then also on campus, Sunday mornings here at 135 Commerce Drive uh, at 10.30. Also, our Wednesday night services at 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. But anyway, God bless you. I hope this message just um, in this time of encouragement finds you doing awesome. Be encouraged and know that Jesus loves you. God bless. God says this is a day that the Lord has made and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Can we just start off this morning by giving him some praise? Hey, I know there's a lot going on today for sure, but more than that, more than what's going on, we want to be something going in. It's always our heart, man, that if you're here and you need Jesus, that you'll find him right here. We believe that and we trust that. Would you stand with me today if you're able to stand? If you're here for the first time, I'm Brother Wayne, and I appreciate you hanging out with, with the family here. We're so thankful. Today's a day that we've titled Raising Champions. Uh, we believe in it. We believe in bringing up children and nurturing the admonition of the Lord. We believe in godly heritage and a godly legacy. How many of y'all believe in a God that still breaks ancestral curses and releases blessings? Hey, can we just go ahead and thank him this morning? Just go ahead and give him some praise for that. He's able. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could even ask or think. So today, there'll be a lot of things going on at the end of service, but like I said, we want to focus on this time with the Lord, and uh, whatever that your need may be, I just want to tell you that there's a need meter here. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We believe that it changes. People's lives, that it transforms the sinner into a saint. We believe that it takes even a prostitute's heart off the corner and transforms it into the kingdom of God. I don't know what it is today that you need, but like I said, he's here. He's here. And he's ready and more than willing, man, to do a work in your life. I just wonder today, I just believe that we can come boldly under the throne of grace. And I believe that we have free access straight from here to heaven because of the blood of Jesus. I believe that not only did the blood of Calvary cleanse the ground, the very ground that it was on 2,000 years ago, but it had the power to cleanse every soul in this place. And that not only did it cleanse things here, but I believe also it cleansed even the court of heaven, that Satan himself that was cast out as that faulty worship leader that when sin, mm -mm, sin couldn't be in the court of God. We have free access from here to there. So come on, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we adore you today all over this house as we lift our voices to you in prayer. We're saying, God, have your way. Today, Father, whatever walked through the door, the hurt, the unforgiveness, today, Holy Ghost, you begin to move even as people getting out of their car. This is your ground, God. This is your place, God. 
You do what you do. You're the father of this house. We come today to lift our voices, to proclaim your name, to see people set free. Lord, today, change a life. Restore a marriage. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Do everything that your word says you do. You're still able. Do it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, before we even get started today, this is the thing. I believe that we can set the stage, even just even the climate in this room. How many of you are thankful for your salvation and for what God has done in your life? I mean, I'm glad you're here, but if he don't show up, nobody gets it. You know, Moses in Exodus chapter 3, he looked back to see the Lord was kind of looking back at him, and the Lord's on fire in a bush, right? And the Lord said, take your shoes off. It's holy ground up in here. A good friend of mine said this one time, and he said, oh, Moses took off him sandals, and he said, you know, they probably couldn't have been that thick. He said, the sad thing is this, sometimes that's about how much it takes for us to miss him. It's about that much. Can we just give him some praise this morning? We're just thanking Hallelujah. He's worthy. He's worthy. You can be seated this morning. You can be seated. Jenny, if you'll just pedal just lightly for me here for just a moment, guys. Looking so forward to the word today and going to hand this over to Brother Jake. He's going to do as the Lord is. I'm going to say commanded him. He, he's afraid of the Lord, and I like that. I believe a healthy fear of the Lord. It's so rich and so good for sure. It's been a good time so far in the presence of, of the Lord, but I don't believe we've seen anything yet. We've come this way to honor him today and to praise him. We'll deal with the details of things after this, but today, could you do this? Could you make Brother Jake Clemens feel welcome today as he comes and preaches the Word of God? Thankful to be here today. for uh, opportunity to share the gospel. And if it's okay, I want to follow the Lord. Um, I think we kind of had uh, told our students that we would start with our pledges to the American flag, the Christian flag, and the Bible. But I want to get straight into the message, if that's okay. We might do that at the end. I don't think there'll be upset too much I know when I was thinking about raising champions it's kind of thinking what does that even mean over the past few weeks I felt God lead me to a couple pieces of scripture and if you don't mind you can stand with me I'm going to begin in Deuteronomy chapter 6 Eric that's not part of that slide so if you could just Pull up Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'll be in the New King James Version. It 
We begin in verse 1. Follow along with me if you can. Um, Verse 1 says, Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land that you are crossing over to possess, that that you may fear the Lord your God, to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel. If I could just say, hear, O church. Hear, mother and father. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently, say diligently, to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way. When you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and there shall be a frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. If you could skip with me to uh, verse 20. When your son, or I'm going to say, or daughter, ask you and time to come saying what is the meaning of these testimonies these statutes these judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you then you shall say to your son we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and the Lord showed great signs and wonders before our eyes great and severe against Egypt Pharaoh and all his household then he brought us out of there that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swore to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to, to observe all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. Then it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all these commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. Why don't you bow your head with me today? God, today I'm so thankful for your word. God, I'm thankful for an opportunity to stand today and share the gospel. God, I'm thankful today that the only thing I stand upon is grace. And God, I pray today that uh, hearts will be open and minds will be open, God, to hear what you have to say, not what I have to say. God, use me and speak through me, all of you and nothing of me. I thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated today. You know, I don't know where I get this, uh, it kind of comes over me and I start to cry. It might be my dad. See, those are tears come from the Lord. But That passage of Scripture is one of my favorites. And um, 
back in November, we had our had our first little one, and uh, I don't know, maybe God's plan to have more down the road. We don't really know yet, but I'm so thankful, and I, I remember reading this scripture and thinking, wow, so to kind of give you an idea, they've come out of Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt, and this is, uh, you know, God just kind of declaring some things to them, and but as we get to the the message here today and raising champions and beginning to try to define that. Eric, if you could go to side number two, I begin to think, what, what is a champion? And forgive me if you can't read that, but uh, the champion definition, number one, is what we've all probably heard or think of as winner of first place or a first prize in a competition. Number two, a warrior or a fighter. And number three, one that does battle for another's rights or honor. And as we think about raising champions and raising our kids today, we can, man, look at culture and it's such a mess. And we wonder whose fault it is. Now, we've, thank you all so much for coming out today. If y'all get mad and leave and don't want to eat afterwards, that's okay. Because I might make some of you mad today. But the one thing that we have to stop doing is pointing the finger at the younger generation. What we have to start doing is pointing the finger at ourselves. Because it's not the kids' fault. Who's supposed to raise those kids? It's us. And you may, have, you may be here today and you, know, you don't have a kid, but you're part of the body of Christ here today. And I believe that it's just on you as well to help raise champions for Christ. And what has happened is we just pushed them aside. All oh, these kids these days. All oh, this and all that. Whose fault is it? It stops at us. Because we have to be a church. We have to hold the standard high. And the problem is that as we as Christians and as parents have dropped the standard. I remember, and it was actually by our mayor, he he said it at the National Day of Prayer. And he said, I remember I used to drive through town and there'd be no cars at home. No one playing outside the yard, outside in the yard. You might wonder where they were at. He said they were all at church. You go to the churches and the parking lots were full. And you look today and, oh, we'll just stay home and kick our feet up and act like everything's okay. and Sit in our pajamas and eat popcorn and watch church. It's not the kids' fault. It starts with us. And so in order to be a champion, we have to have a champion mindset. And that begins with number one. Eric, if you can go to the next slide, if you're taking notes, I've got a nice three-point Baptist sermon for you today. But number one, this is one of the most important things. We have to go from confession to commitment. You see, what happens so often is that we come up to the altar and we confess our sins, but we don't take it a step further to a commitment. And I want to read this scripture to you in Man, it's powerful. It's Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And man, I believe that wholeheartedly. But I'm so thankful that my salvation doesn't stop there. I'm so thankful that Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. You see, the problem, just like I preached a few weeks ago, is that so many of you are out of Egypt, but Egypt's still in you. You're still chained and tethered to your past. 
You've made a confession, but you haven't made that full commitment to God to say, I don't care what the world says. I don't care what anybody else says. I made a commitment, and I'm going to live for him. You see, the commitment comes to Matthew 16, starting in verse 24. And Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. It doesn't say promote himself. It doesn't say to lift himself up. It doesn't say to make himself look better. What does it say? Deny himself. Take up his cross. Take up that cross. And that gets back to that place of being sacrificial. What we've heard Brother Wayne and so many others preach over the last few weeks is we have to crucify ourselves. In order to live, we must die. And the problem is that our kids today are so confused because we have so many Christians who sit in church pews every Sunday and all they have is a confession and not a commitment. I might sound angry today, but I'm passionate. I want you to get to somewhere. I want this next generation to be raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And that starts with us. It starts with a commitment. And follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. See, even ourselves today, we're confused. We don't know what's going on. We think a new job will fix it. We think a new car will fix it. We think more money will fix it. And we've got our kids so confused because we've made a confession and not a commitment. Because we're not living it at home every day. We're not living it at our jobs every day. So what do our kids see? They see confusion. When they look at us, they don't see someone living it out. She's someone wishy-washy. Oh, I'll praise the Lord on Sunday, but Monday gets there, I'm going to go back to my old self. What they see is a generation full of parents that are still chasing a dollar and not chasing Jesus. I'm so thankful that I had two parents that they weren't perfect, but what I saw was a commitment. Day in and day out. I saw a commitment to serve the Lord. I saw a commitment to try to raise us kids upright. As I thought about this verse, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. And I want to ask you today, has your walk with Christ, is it just a confession or is it a true commitment? A confession will save you, but it's the commitment that will preserve you and preserve your faith and your family. Because what our families need today is a commitment to God, number one. And then commitment to your spouse. Commitment to your family, and then your job, and then your ball games, and everything else comes after that. 
But the problem is that we've got things out of order. We're more committed to getting our kids to practice than we are getting them to Jesus. Believe me, I love sports, man. I, was, I loved it. But as I'm standing here today, I can tell you that while I played football, it became a God in my life. I put more time into it than maybe any other thing that I had going. I was lacking that true commitment to God. And I want you to survey your heart today and ask, God, do I have a true commitment to you? God, am I really walking? Am I really showing my kids every day that you are the most important thing? Because if you, if you confess and you say that, man, he's everything, but we're not living by the word at the best of our ability, then we're off track. We've got to get there. We've got to get to that place and go from confession to commitment. And you see what, what a champion does. If you think about a champion, I, when I think about that word, I often think of a prize-fighting boxer. And the thing about a boxer is that Stephen Smith won't just wake up one day and say, hey, I'm going to go sign up for a boxing match. He's a big guy. He'd probably do pretty good. But he wouldn't do that. Because why? It takes a long time. I mean, I could say I want to be anything. I could be a prize fighting boxer. But what does it take? It takes commitment. You see, what the champion knows is that every day that they wake up, there's a commitment. Every day that I wake up and I put my feet on the ground, I don't say I'm living for the world. I say, God, help me to live for you today. God shod my feet with the preparation of peace. He put on the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth as I walk through this world. I don't wake up saying I'm defeated. I wake up saying I have victory in Jesus' name. Amen. But the biggest thing is that they know that it takes a commitment every day. It does. How many of you, I mean, we've probably all started a, a weight loss plan. and Well, I will start it next Monday and next Monday. Monday rolls around, we got Monday in, and Tuesday we want to have a little cheat meal, and then it turns into a cheat week. But that's what happens with sin. Well, I'll cheat just a little bit. God, I I mean, nobody else knows. Nobody's going to find out. I'll erase the history. I will delete the text. I will, no one's going to find out. But there's a holy God watching, saying, please don't commit your way unto me. That's not going to fulfill you. That's not going to sustain you. Your kids are here watching. Your kids need you. Your grandkids need you. Those coming after you need you. Your brothers and sisters in church need you. Just commit to me. I wish I could say that I was perfect at that all the time, but I stand on grace. and That grace flows freely. But the one thing that God wants us to do is make a true commitment to him. God, every day I'm going to train and get to that place where I can serve you. One of the most popular scriptures that I think was in every baby's nursery for a long time, maybe still is, and I still remember the one I think that uh, we moved about 13 times over my childhood. Same city, same town. Mom and dad just like to move. Daddy used to say he uh, 
We moved so much that the furniture, he'd just whistle and it'd get on the trailer. But as I thought about moving, I remember, Mom, this, uh, this verse on, on a little plaque on, or picture, I'm sure, that was in my nursery. And probably we kept for a while and maybe finally threw away. Eric, if you could go to slide number two, please, or the next one. And that verse is Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Oh, we love to quote that one, don't we? We love to. And point number two today is train them or the world will. And I was so humbled by this because when you think about training, I put on there, training is more than telling. And as a church, we failed in this area too. Because we could tell all day, but are we really going alongside and training? Dad, can you come up here? He said, I'm crying. He never cries. I'm going to start crying. Uh, man, I'm so thankful. I thought about this verse. This guy probably held my hand and walked in front of me. I remember trying to hop in his footsteps when I was younger. And I'd hop around, and he had big shoes. Sometimes I'd make it. Sometimes I'd fall. And you know what? I, if I fail, you know what he would do? He'd pick me up. He'd say, come on, son. He wouldn't look at me and say, lay down. You're worthless. You're never going to make it. Now he'd say, come on, son. Let me dust your pants off. <laughs> I thought he was going to give me a whooping. Sometimes you got to do that too. <laughs> There's words uh, still echo in my ear from my childhood too. Go get my belt. <laughs> I know it wasn't good then. Only a few times. But today, I'm the man I am because of training I had. I think about the simplicity of that picture. But how many times that was us? Let's give this guy a hand. Mom thought she was out of it. I remember, I don't know what it is about being a teenager, but I always want to be taller than mom. And I remember when I was started coming up, I was finally taller than mom. She said, you may be taller, but I still whoop your bottom. And uh, it was always true. I still won't mess with mom. But The same thing in training. I remember times where maybe I wrecked my bike or, Came in with a skinned up knee. Mom was always caring, but she was a nurse. And sometimes she would have that tough love. You'll be all right. You're fine. But I still remember 
the time she would set, set me up on the counter. Say, let me look at it. This might sting a little as she maybe put some Neosporin or alcohol on it. Put a Band-Aid on. The thing was, it didn't stop there. She said, now let's pray. Now that might not mean much to you. But if there's one thing this lady can do is pray. And that's where training begins. You see, training, it doesn't begin and end in the church house. It begins at home. And I put up here, hopefully my math's right, there are 168 hours in a week. I'll say I might be more today, but it depends on how long winded we get preaching maybe, but... If you only spend four hours a week at church, let's say it's three and one, three on Sunday, one on Wednesday. It's four hours. That's 2.4% of your week spent with God. And I thought, God, oh, how we failed. How we failed because we've pushed our kids to church thinking that was enough. We've sent them to Bible school. We've sent them even to Christian school. Maybe they have more time there. The best teacher that your child will ever have is their mother and their father. Maybe you're here today and you're in a broken marriage. That's okay. Do the very best you can. As a church, we need to come alongside you and help fill the void any way that we can. Maybe you're here and you've adopted. You're still that, that parent. Be that mother and father that they need. The statistics are staggering about uh, the rates of crime, the rates of divorce, the rates of drug use and everything we could spit out so many statistics today that when the mother and father are not present in the home they'll skyrocket but i want to go a step further we have so many young people leaving the faith today and leaving the church after they graduate high school and going to college or graduate college and why is that i believe it's because they weren't trained Church was just another checkoff box. So they're like, hey, I, I can mark that off. I don't have to go. But you see, our relationship with God has to be more than a Sunday morning, Wednesday night church service. And you see, the thing is, parents, we have to admit that we failed at training our kids. Because this, that verse is, is tough. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Man, we can do everything we can, and they can still depart. And the best analogy or metaphor that I heard about that was God gave everything to Adam and Eve and told them exactly what to do. And what do they do? They choose their own way. You can do everything right, and your kids still choose their own path. But that doesn't mean that you quit praying. That doesn't mean that you give up hope. That doesn't mean that you keep the room ready. There's a sweet, 
sweet lady who her son had chose maybe a, a different path and told her, I said, we're praying for you. He had left home and she said, you know what, I'm keeping his room ready for when he comes back. That boy came back and I'm so thankful for that. And maybe you're here today and you're still waiting on that one to come back. Don't give up hope. Don't give up. But I want you to think about how are we training our kids as only 2.4% of their week is spent with God. Eric, if you can go to the next slide, please. And I, I don't know if y'all can see this graph very good, but it's just total entertainment screen use among tweens and teens per day between 2015 to 2021 skyrocketed. We went from four point or four hours and thirty six minutes to six hours and forty minutes, and from five hours and thirty minutes all the way to eight hours and thirty nine minutes a day. A day. If you want to ask what's wrong with everything today, it is the screens. Because they are pumping everything. I guarantee you, your kid's not in his bedroom watching Veggie Tales or watching watching whatever. Why? We let our kids have these things. Oh, it's just a pacifier. Oh, they can't. We got blockers. Kids are smarter than you are. Who do you ask if you need something to fix on your phone? Hey, if they can do it, they know how to get around it. Okay? Your kids are like, Mr. Jake, please stop. Stop. And I want you to think about this. Phone use, if you look up, they're doing studies on it, the way that it affects the brain now. It's an addiction. And it's an addiction that comes, becomes harder to break than cocaine. We think, oh, it's fine. Would you give your kid cocaine? No. Now you're thinking, Jake, it's just a phone. We got to wake up because we don't know what is happening to their minds. And now we're at a place where we wonder what's wrong with our kids. It's we've tossed them a pacifier that's a phone. And now they're glued to it. What do they see mom and dad do every day when they get home from work? Hey, mom. Oh, hey, son. Hey, daughter. You won't even look up from your phone. Man, I feel the enemy pushing. You don't want me to preach, but I'm going to. You know, we got we to gotta stand up today. And we got to push back because we have to train these kids up. And it starts with us. It starts with putting those phones down. What does it matter? How many likes you got? Really? If you really get to that commitment with God, you'll see that none of it matters. And your kids are sitting there wasting away. And all they want is time with you. They do. They want that time with you. I guarantee if you ask them, they'd probably say, I just wish mom and dad would spend less time on the phone. I wish I could just have a little more time. And maybe you're like, my kid, don't even talk to me. It's probably because you don't talk to them. You think, well, they don't want anything to do with me. Start small. Start small. Take them out for an ice cream. Was the last time you had a one-on-one with your kid and said, Honey, I love you. I can't wait to see what God's going to do in your life. 
was the last time you didn't worry about the ball game. You didn't worry about the 18 things you got to do this week. And you say, hey, let's, let's make some s'mores tonight. Let's, let's fire up a campfire. The kids been asking you all week. No, we can't. We don't have time. You do have time. You just won't make it. Because the other things are more important. I want you to know I'm preaching to myself too. But there's one thing we got to do is got to train them. Spend less time on the screens and more time together. One of the most beautiful things, and I'm not saying it's not a perfect school at all, but we take all the kids' phones during the day. They don't have them all day. They get them when they come back, when they're leaving. And you walk down that lunch table, you know what they're doing? They're talking. They're laughing. They're cutting up. They're eating together, breaking bread together. And I love it. I love just looking down that table thinking, God, I wish every family could be like this. I wish every home could be like this. I'm about to drop a box off at every home and say, put the phones in there and eat together. Eric, if you go to that next slide, please. Which one are you? Which one are you? so tough you know what I want my little little daughter Blake Ann to know every night before dinner we pray I want her to call me out if we don't pray daddy we ain't prayed yet she can't talk yet she's six months maybe next week she'll start talking but it's, it's my job as a spiritual leader of my home to set the tone and you see, that, that praying around the table doesn't start there. It starts. It starts about 5.30 in the morning. I feel, I feel the Lord calling me. I want you to come pray. I want you to spend some time. I wish I could say every morning I just jump right out of bed and I do that. But some days I might lay in bed and pray. But it's one thing I want my children and your children to know is that they've got praying parents. There's an awesome mentor in my life. His son came home after not being there for a while. His son was grown. And hope I get this story somewhat right. Son came home, I was going to spend the night with them. And he said, son, I hope you don't mind, but I've turned your room into my prayer room. I'll be praying in here if you don't mind. I'll come in. I thought, wow, what a testimony. What a testimony of really how we should be with our relationship with God. And I want this to be convicting because, man, it convicted me. If we were to fly, maybe a drone into your home, what would it look like? What, would you be around the table just sitting there on your phones or would you be praying and eating together with no phones and no screens? Eric, if you could go to the next one, please. I thought about this one. I thought, man, this is... 
This is life right now because our kids have rooms filled with electronics and not filled with prayer. And I wonder how many of our kids today could say, I don't remember the last time mom and dad knelt down with me to pray. I don't know how to pray. My mom or dad never taught me. I remember mom saying some simple prayers. God, it might just be a bike wreck. It might just be a scratch, but I pray you give Jake peace. Take away any hurt. Raise him up to be the man that you called him to be. I remember dad praying with me. The hardest thing, dad would pray with us after he gave us a whooping. I only had about four with the belt, if y'all were wondering, but they were enough. I saw my older brother Logan get enough. Uh, it's easier for me to walk the line. I said, man, I don't want a butt whooping. I'll just walk the line. Remember, he sat down on, on the bed with us or the porch or the back of a tailgate of a truck, wherever it was. God, you raise these boys up right. I learned how to pray from them too. And I wonder today, are we teaching our kids more about how to win at life than how to really walk out this life as Christians? Saying, yeah, Jake, whatever. That's, that's a radical idea. It is, but it's what Jesus and God called us to do. If I could, I'd like to go back to this scripture. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house. As Jesus only talked about, as God only talked about at church, or as he talked about at home. When you walk by the way, is Jesus there? Is he, are you talking to your kids about maybe what God's done in your life? Maybe it's something that God's brought you from. Maybe you passed the old house that you grew up in, and that's the Egypt that you left, and then you can share a testimony of that's where God brought us from. when you lie down and when you rise up. Why is that important? Because that encapsulates or should encapsulate every part of our day. We don't just tell our kids about Jesus on Sunday and Wednesday nights. I want it to be ever present in their mind. I want my kids, my wife, and everybody I know just to know that I love Jesus. And that's my mission. If you could go to that last slide, Eric. If I could have the praise team, come on up. And 
in order to raise champions, we got to live it. We got to live it every day. It's funny, I, I, I told someone before, and I, it's like, uh, it's tough to have a bad day because when you have a bad day, people wonder if your life's a wreck or what. And it's okay to have a bad day every now and then, but don't let that turn into two bad days and three bad days. And if it does, you remember where your strength comes from. You remember why you're in this fight. And when we talk about Christian education, and we have Hope Christian Academy over here, I'm so thankful to be a part. I really am. I'm thankful that we have a country that that's a freedom that we can have. Amen. Yeah, I think it's... Christian education doesn't begin and end at these doors or begin and end at the school doors. It begins at home. It begins at home. And parents, the first thing that we have to do is realize that we failed. We failed in walking it out. We failed in living it out before our kids. We failed in saying, you know what? I failed. Forgive me. You don't have to go into a lot of detail with your kids. You know that there's certain times you share things with your kids and there's times you don't. But man, our, our whole world needs committed Christians that will live out this gospel. Share the gospel. And I wonder today, where are you at? Are you sitting on the sidelines letting the world raise your kids? Letting those electronics, letting Netflix, Hulu, and all those series raise your kids? Are you right there saying, let's pray together. I don't care if it's Texas Roadhouse. You don't got to throw down a loud prayer and smack people over the head with the Bible. Just pray and bless that food. You see, your kids are learning how to be mothers and fathers by watching you. Your kids are learning how to be Christians by watching you. That little bit of sin that you keep allowing. Your son's saying, hey, it's okay. Dad does it. Mom does it. That's convicting. And I'm not saying we're, we're not going to fail because we will. But if you need something to push you, let it be those footsteps behind you. Let it be those footsteps that are hopping, trying to stay in your tracks just as I was as a little boy. Let it be that this world, there is no hope in the world. We only have Jesus, amen? But we have to be the hope. Why is it Hope Christian Academy? Because I have hope that God's going to raise up a next generation to preach the gospel, to sing of the gospel, and to live of the gospel. I never wanted to stand up here. Never. 
don't want to serve in church. You think, oh, Jake, angel boy, he probably always wanted to do that. I don't. I know God's called me to do something, and I give you a message. And if it's just to sound the alarm today to tell you to wake up because your kids are counting on you, your grandkids are counting on you, the kids in this church are counting on you, live it. Live it. The kids aren't always going to be perfect, but you know the thing that they have to know is that you train them, man, when that storm comes, know who's in the boat with you. That when you walk down, David, to fight that Goliath, you know that God was with you when you fought the lion and the bear. That Paul, when you're in chains in prison, you and, you and Silas just keep praising the Lord. When it feels like you, you, you've been in that mindset all night and you can't shake it, you praise the Lord. You see, our kids today don't know how to fight. They don't know how to be champions because we're not. In order to raise a champion, we have to be champions. And today, we're not champions by anything that we stand upon. We're only champions by Him, Jesus Christ, and what He did. Forgive me, I'm on my phone, but I wrote something in my notes that feel the need to share. This will be a little long, and I'll go in segments. As I was praying, I just began to cry the other day, sitting in my spot that I have. We've prepared our kids for the sports fields and not the mission fields. We've prepared our kids to go to college and get degrees and have not taught them how to navigate life's stormy seas. We've taught our kids the most important thing is the American dream rather than being part of the church and God's team. We've taught our kids that building a nice house is more important than building a godly home. We've given our kids everything and served them instead of teaching them to serve others and to serve Him. We've taught our kids that missing church and missing time with God is okay, and now only pray and come to church on Christmas and Easter Sunday. We've let social media define our kids' worth and not let it be defined by God and His Word. We've taught our kids how to get likes and not how to live holy lives. We've given our kids electronics and phones just to fit in, but now there's no time to squeeze God in. We've taught our kids to worry more instead of praying and having faith in the Lord. We've let the world define marriage, relationships, and love, and now our country is a mess. We must raise our kids to believe in God and what His Word says. We've taught our kids it's okay to not stand up and now our whole country is corrupt. All hope is not lost because God's on our side. We just have to stand up to the cultural tide. Let's join together and begin to fight. Let's raise our kids to be champions for Christ.
And I wonder today, do I have any parents, do I have anybody in here who says, you know what, I'm going to raise my kids to be champions for Christ. And that begins with me. That begins with my commitment to the Lord. That begins with me training myself so that I can train my kids. That begins with me living it so they will. Would you stand to your feet today? You know what I would love to see is mother and father and kids come to this altar today. That's the first step. Because what the enemy's going to want you to do is say, that's a great message, Jake. Let's go eat some food. Let's forget about it. But I pray the Holy Spirit will convict every one of us. Say, I failed. Because I'm going to get down here on my knees with my wife and my Little Blake Ann, we're going to pray. And I wonder today, where are you? Are you stuck in a confession and not a commitment? Do you need help training your kids? Or you just need help living it? Today, as Jenny sings, I pray that this altar will be filled, not because of anything I said, but because what God is calling every one of us to do. And that's to live for Him. What's holding you back? Why won't you come to this altar with your kids? What is it? It's pride. I'll just stay here. Yeah, you can pray the same way in your seat, but what about taking a step, saying, you know what, I'm walking out in faith. Maybe you're here and your kids are away from the Lord. God, I'm walking in faith, believing my kids are coming home. Maybe you're here today and you don't have kids, but you're praying, God, in your time, God, help me raise these kids up. Praise the Lord. I'm thankful for a now word. One not just that has importance, but one that is so relevant today in the time that we live in. Thank you, Jake. Can we thank God for the message today? I pray that it quickens hearts. clear enough said and it's clear enough seen today that hell is battling your home hell hates you Satan hates you the closer you get to God and the more you start looking like him and the more you just, just that image of who he is hell just relentless keep on fighting in Jesus name man it's been good to be in the house of God thank you brother Jake Hey everybody, just wanted to thank you once again for being with us here in our worship service today and taking the time out, which I know is so valuable to you. God bless you and be encouraged. And remember, Jesus is King.